Hello and welcome to Stern Chats. I'm Bartenenbaum. And I'm Neha Tumala. Today we bring to you Prashant Gandhi. Prashant is the Chief Business Officer of Milio, one of the fastest growing fintech startups in New York and making waves as a disruptor in the small business payment space. I've heard they recently raised $250 million at a valuation of $4 billion? This is true. Looks like a startup to watch, everybody. Prior to Milio, Prashant was the head of digital payments at J.P. Morgan. If you think that's impressive, prior to that, he was the global chief operating officer at McKinsey Digital, pioneering several digital initiatives there. He also holds engineering degrees from IIT Delhi, Kansas State, and an MBA from Chicago Booth. I'm very excited for this conversation. Me too. We are recording this episode in collaboration with the Fintech Club. Here's Natalie, the co-president of the club, to tell you a little bit more about it. Thank you, Neha and Bar. We are thrilled to collaborate on Stern Chats. The Stern Fintech Association's mission is to help make Stern the premier MBA program for students interested in a career in fintech. Our objective is to provide students who are interested in fintech with the resources to achieve their career goals. We provide a forum for educational and informative discussion on topical matters in various fintech fields. We also hold events throughout the year to ensure that MBA students have the specific support and resources they need to succeed during the fintech recruiting cycles across the fall and spring semesters. And lastly, we help establish an enduring fintech community by cultivating an engaged alumni base and encouraging alumni participation in FTA events with current students. Prashant Gandhi, welcome to Stern Chats. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Bar. Thank you so much for agreeing to come here. You know, I just told Niha this morning that I had the opportunity to work with you over the summer when I entered at Milio. And I always thought how inspiring it is to see how you are able to leverage all the skills that you gained um, doing your career in different companies, actually at least four of the most desirable companies uh, for MBA students. Um, and yeah, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. It's my pleasure. And it was great to have you spend your summer at Milio. Thank you. Looking forward to come back soon. <laughs> Yeah. So Prashant, I wanted to dive in uh, to the fun part. So going back to February 2021, just before I think around the pandemic, you're the head of digital payments at JP Morgan, a very prestigious and influential position. And you decide to leave and join Melio. Tell us what might a pivotal moment be that made that decision happen. Yeah, um, I think that... Um I don't know that it was a moment. I think it was just a series of things that um, came together um, for me. Um, I think, first of all, um, you know, I saw from very close quarters um, that the pandemic really accelerated the, the behavior shift um, by, call it, anywhere from four to six years. So um, I literally, um, as, you know, running... Um, payments as I was at JP Morgan, um, uh, all the dials, all the numbers started to move in a direction that felt like this was a pretty, you know, it was a discontinuity. And so one should never let a crisis go waste, as they say. Um, you know, I obviously um, was, um, I met the management team of Milio when I was at Chase. 
um, I was very taken by uh, the founders and their humility. Um, I was quite inspired by their mission, um, uh, which was a very simple one, which is to keep small business in business. And um, I think, you know, if I go back to even my career uh, spanning the companies that you mentioned, um, I think there has been a streak in me that I've always been a entrepreneur. I've always been someone that has forged um, a new ground uh, in even in large companies that I've been part of. And I, I think it sort of felt to me that it was time to um, externalize that and be a real entrepreneur and work with entrepreneurs who are building, you know, businesses that will scale for the future. Yeah. So I think that's what did it. And I'm really, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm really thankful for the years I spent at JP Morgan. Um, I learned so much. I really learned so much at JP Morgan. I feel like in the four years I spent there, uh, I think I grew by 10 years. That's amazing to hear. And I can definitely relate to what you said about the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, when I came to Milieu, I felt um, amazed by the high level of energy and how everyone is working passionately towards the same mission, which was very exciting for me, at least. Yeah. And I, I want to hear your thoughts about the world of SMBs, so small, mid-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. So um, you decided to join Milio after working for a few years as the head of digital payments at Chase, JP Morgan. And you chose to focus mainly on this market segment of SMBs in the US. Can you talk a little bit about how and where did you see the opportunity and about some of the challenges that Milio is facing while working specifically um, in this market? You know, there are 30 million small businesses in the country. I think that's, um, um, so that's, so it's, a, and um, small businesses are a very big part of our GDP. Uh, small businesses in totality, I think, earn revenue around $14 trillion dollars. And so, um, so they are important. I think that, um, unfortunately, um, depending on whichever stat you look at, you will find very quickly that a very large, non-significant percentage of them, uh, like in the range of 40% or so, run with 30 days of cash. And half of those businesses don't even know that. Yeah. So, um, so, so you got 30 million businesses. I mean, if you just imagine for a second that 12 to 15 million of them are running on 30 days of cash and five to six million of them don't even know that. And I think that 81% of the businesses still pay um, other businesses via paper checks. Yeah. And so that's the third part of it, which is that the way they are going about kind of their money movement is not getting them any better. Like they are still using things that don't help them get control of this problem. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the problem we're trying to solve. And if we think about small business owners, so they uh, may be, uh, or at least some of them may be less tech savvy and more reluctant to changes when it comes to uh, technological changes, at least. Yeah. Do you consider this as a challenge in implementing fintech solutions for small businesses? 
And if so, what does Melia do to overcome this challenge? Um, I think it is less of a challenge now than it used to be a few years ago. You know, when um, the credit card readers uh, came in the market um, more than two decades back, um, it, it, it took... Um, it took companies a long, long time to even get small businesses to accept that transition because small businesses are known generally to be very reticent to changing the way they work. But I think that that has massively shifted. This is going back to my earlier point about the discontinuity and the change in behavior. I think coming out of COVID, um, small businesses have a very different approach to technology. It's kind of like if you have to be in business, then you have to be pretty savvy about the things that are at your disposal. So, I mean, our opinion is, you know, um, I think, um, well, I would say two, three things on what we are doing to kind of address that issue. The first is we um, we very much rely on accountants. We have a, a a whole team that focuses on building relationships with accountants and bookkeepers. Accountants and bookkeepers tend to play a very significant role in handholding the small business. Um, and so they become great kind of um, uh, advocates of ours. So that's number one. Uh, the second is we also, um, in select industries, are uh, getting um, small businesses to accept us via the large vendors that they pay to. So if the vendor calls you and says that, you know, I'd like to get paid on Milio, uh, that also is a is a is a behavior shift that can happen. So that's two, and I honestly think we've got an industry leading um, customer service and success team. Um, we've uh, really invested in ensuring that small businesses um, have access to a very simple and a very um, uh, reachable support center. And so we can get their questions answered and we can get trial and usage going. So we pay a lot of attention in our sales efforts to ensure that um, a couple of payments go through. Because once you get someone to do one or two payments, then I, I think the habituation gets to be slightly easier. So, you know, those are some things we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And you touched on small businesses growing out of this pandemic uh, trying to um, really implement digital solutions for their businesses. Can we dive deeper into what Milio is offering small businesses and what are the benefits for small businesses in using Milio? Maybe some of our listeners who own small businesses or their family who owns uh, small businesses would love to um, listen and maybe uh, embrace Milio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got essentially two main offerings. We help you pay and we help you get paid. Um, accounts payable, accounts receivable. Um, it's a very simple platform. Um, it uh, You can use it at no cost. Um, um, I think that the small business has really, um, really two big advantages in using Milio. Advantage number one is choice, and advantage number two is workflow. So uh, on choice, yeah, the big advantage is that um, any small business can choose however they want to pay. Um, there are so many different mechanisms available to a small business to to pay. And we make it, we give the small business a choice on however they want to pay, uh, irrespective of how the vendor wants to get paid. Um, and so that's number one. Lots of small businesses love that. You don't always have to use your credit card if you don't have to, but if you want to use it to, to pay a bill, even if the vendor doesn't accept credit card, uh, we can make that happen. 
uh, among other things. Um, and so that's number one. And number two is workflow, which is we've built uh, really tight integrations into the day-to-day systems that um, these small businesses use to run their business, like accounting software types. And uh, we knit together our payments very seamlessly with those systems so that they don't have to do double entries. Uh, all reconciliations happen automatically. It makes life super easy for them. And our, 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 product, our platform is uh, very geared to small business. We've paid a lot of attention to the nuances of how decisions get done in these owner-operator companies. And so sometimes they need to inform a couple other people to get each other to agree uh, a payment. So we've got some workflows built into our platform. Like, honestly, I think we've, um, uh, uh, you know, in the P2P world, you've got lots of platforms which are all well-known, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle. Um, uh, they are very simple for, they're, they're too simplistic for a small business to do accounts payable. But then you also have bigger platforms, um, which we all know their names, um, which are really used by mid-market and large companies. Those also don't work for small businesses because those platforms tend to have very heavy language, um, which is very like you need to have an accounting department to use those platforms properly. And so we fill the need. You know, We come right in the middle of that kind of gap which is we want to give a small business a very purpose-built APAR solution um, that doesn't feel like it's got a bunch of jargon to it, but we get the job done. So that's it. And, you know, the benefits are um, small businesses that start to use us start saving a bunch of money uh, right away. Uh, And also small businesses that use us, typically a small business in the country, uh, it takes them 25 days to get paid. Um, and so that's just the norm, 25 days to get paid. So what we find with our customers who start using our account receivable software is that, you know, they start cutting down on that time frame as they start using our product because it gets more and more easier for their customers to pay them. So those are the benefits, Bar, at a high level. I think these are great benefits. And yeah. I believe that your product really can help small businesses uh, to manage your cash flow in a very easy and free way. Absolutely. Speaking of payments, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on the future of real-time payments and where you think this is going five to 10 years from now. Yeah. See, real-time payments, I think in the US at least is a first major uh, innovation uh, after um, you know, call it two and a half, three decades. And um, real-time payments, um, uh, I think, has the ability to to um, reshape even how industries are organized. Um, uh, you know, if you think about, like, think about cash on delivery. So cash on delivery is still used as a mechanism for so many things. You know, have you ever noticed if you go to a corner bodega uh, in New York in the morning, try going to a corner bodega in the morning at 6.30 and get a cup of coffee and just wait and see and a truck pulls up, you know, with a bunch of supplies and the bodega owner takes out a bunch of cash and hands out that cash to that truck owner. Um, Yeah, those are all going to go away because of real-time payments. Um, Because uh, real-time payments 
will make it really simple and easy for two parties to exchange a request for payment and then in return actually a fulfillment of their obligation in real time so cash economy will shift which means that um lots of things that are built around the cash economy will shift um it also means that um a lot of the paper trails that go around reconciliation um are going to go away because uh, real time payments comes with a certain standard which is called ISO 2020 or 22 and that will ensure that there is some information that will go along a package of data will go along with the payment and so if neha is paying bar um and she says you know this is for the clothes that i got from you as a supplier and it's 800 bucks out of the 1000 that i owe you i mean all of that information will travel along with the payment and so it also eases um reconciliation so yeah and it's at a very different cost point yeah, rtp is going to run at a very different cost point than some of the other rails which i think if you put it all together they go back to where we started um you go back to where we started so 14 trillion dollars of uh, revenue for small businesses um uh, small businesses of that 14 trillion uh, keep about a trillion in profits of the remaining 13 trillion they take about 3 trillion and they use the 3 trillion to pay payroll and the remaining 10 trillion is basically spent on vendors yeah and that 10 trillion uh, basically is roughly half is checks and roughly uh 40% is is um, ach yeah and about 10% is credit card so so now you're looking at this massive so you think about 10 trillion of which 50% is still people writing a check and putting it in mail like <laughs> that is crazy right that's like 5 trillion dollars of money movement uh to pay vendors um yeah and ach is good it's it's very cheap but ach also is not very appropriate for uh, many use cases where there is urgency to pay um so i think all of this will look very different honestly in like 3 to 4 years i think the world uh, back to my point about a discontinuity i think the way tend things tend to kind of change is um things change slowly for a long time and then they shift pretty rapidly so i think we are kind of in that phase where uh, the curve is shifting it's kind of it's it's angle so to speak um and that will happen i think for quickly for the next 3 to 4 years those numbers are incredible because we're surrounded by technology but then you realize in the context of adoption there's still so much opportunity for small businesses so yeah that's incredible to hear and with that you know you spoke about the opportunities today and how um real time payments are going to change the way uh we transfer uh payments and This is why we basically see also an increase in the engagement of students with the fintech club in yeah. Stern and we asked them to hand out some questions for you um because these students are interested in exploring uh different roles in different companies in the fintech space. Yeah. And so the first question they um are interested to hear your thoughts about is around um VC funding. So 
you know, VC funding in the payment space uh, has been robust, uh, especially during the recent year. Um, the amount of funding almost doubled. Do you think this provide uh, more opportunities for MBA students? Want to hear your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I think this is a great time to be uh, coming out of um, an MBA. Um, I think that, um, look, whether or not the VC funding will continue at the breakneck pace, it is, uh, it is who knows? I mean, it's certainly, there's certainly a lot of it and there's a lot of interest in the in the financial services tech kind of sector um, but it's for a good reason i mean i think that um, you know financial services are such a huge part of our economy and um, i think that it'll we'll all agree pretty quickly that there is such a lot of room for innovation and improvement in in the space i i think that um, my advice would be to balance a little bit left brain and right brain um, and not just look at, um, you know, if you're going to make a choice on what to do, um, I, I think one shouldn't just make a choice on what to do based on some charts where you see some funding going up in some sector and you see a big bar chart and you see, you know, something is really kind of hot. That's certainly important and you should be aware of it. You should certainly be aware of it. I'm a huge proponent of also um, spending some time to really look at the world from the customer lens and to really have a, almost a visceral uh, and a clear kind of perspective on the jobs that uh, you think have to be done, which the customer, uh, which the customer should be doing. Uh, and so I think the best really, you know, look, you can never be 100% sure uh, of any outcome, uh, fundings can kind of dry up, fundings can double, triple, you never know. But if you start with the view that you are clear in your mind on the problem your company is trying to solve and the, and, and the problem it's trying to solve for its customers, and you've tested it yourself. So I, I would say to every single person that listens to this podcast, that if you haven't, if you're interested in the consumer fintech space, and if you haven't actually spent time talking to 50 consumers about that problem, or if you're really interested in the small business space and you haven't really gone and talked to small businesses directly about the problem, then I would say do it, like drop this podcast and go do that right now, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, you can go do it right now. I'm on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so I think that, um, look, there are some things that are pretty meta kind of trends. I mean, I think B2B digitization is a big meta trend. And right. so good. So that gives you some kind of leads. Uh, credit as a service is a pretty big meta trend. Great. That gives you a thing. Uh, I mean, I think crypto is a very big meta trend. Great. And so, but balance the left and right and, and do, do your homework and, and really start with the customer problem, I think is sort of my advice. I love that advice. I think it's easy to get distracted by focusing on a great product or a great strategy, but at the end, it all comes together when you deeply understand the consumers. 
And Prashant, zooming out for a bit from fintech, I want to ask you about the differences between working or interning in a small company as an MBA student and working at a bigger company. I, I think it's ideal that you give your perspective for students as someone who has so much experience in both the biggest corporations like Microsoft, McKinsey, JP Morgan, and Atmelio, which is not very small, but still growing rapidly. What are the different skills that are required and what are the different skills that an MBA student can learn depending on the size and maturity of the company he works at? You know, everyone's different. Um, so, uh, every, you know, only you know yourself the best. And so uh, there are people who are very happy, uh, who are happier um, starting their careers in, in institutions where a lot of the playbooks on what the work has to be done are pretty well written. And so strategy and how strategy should be done is a process. Um, capability building uh, and how capability building needs to be done is a process um, and so on. So if you are that kind of person who wants to start and spend a few years being at a place where the playbooks are well written, then great, then I think you should kind of go for the more mature companies or even go work at a, you know, a good financial institution. Um, what I'm finding more and more is that, um, uh, you know, companies which are a little further along in their evolution like ours, which is now past, you know, multiple rounds of funding and now has many hundred employees, um, we also are very quickly building the same sort of muscles as the large companies. We just call things slightly differently sometimes. And so I think the students should spend some time to acclimatize themselves to the nomenclature and how things are called. Because you may go to a job fair with a large bank and then you'll turn around and go to a fintech company. They may have the same kind of basic thing in the, they may have the same job for you in their head, but they'll, the way they'll talk about it would be kind of slightly different. So, you know, like we tend to now think about biz ops as a pretty important kind of function. Um, we don't talk about like strategic planning, but we want that same sort of essential work to be done. Um, we uh, are very focused on enablement as a capability we built a team to do enablement, which is essentially sales capability building. Um, and, but yeah, but we call it enablement. And so we, uh, you know, as you know, we are a very product oriented company also. So we also have lots of ways in which we think about the evolution of product owners into, into more kind of GMs, et cetera. Um, so I, that's kind of what I would say. Essentially, what I'm saying is two things. One is know yourself. Um, are you the kind of person that wants to kind of follow a playbook or do you want, do you enjoy being in a company where a part of the playbook is getting written? And so you are part of kind of writing that, you know, playbook. And second is take the time to make sure that you understand the taxonomy of jobs um, because that'll help you because I think that way you ensure that the companies you're speaking with really understand and can place you properly um, in a particular thing. I think that the one thing which is 
nice about going and kind of in job fairs with large companies is that the large companies tend to um i think the large companies don't do as much what i call purpose built hiring as the smaller fintechs do i think the large companies sort of look at you and kind of go you're a smart person you got a good gpa you know good pedigree fine you know you can come in in this department and if it doesn't work then we'll figure out whatever you could do next uh, and that's actually good at some levels um but smaller companies tend to pay a lot of attention to what you have been up to what you really want to do because you know 2 3 years is a long time for small companies it's a long time for us i mean we could things can look very different for us in 2 years so therefore you just have to have you just have to do more due diligence you just have to make sure you really understand um the company the job and and how you will add value so there is a little bit more onus on you right yeah and do you have any um tips for the students how to look at these companies how to investigate them more what are uh the ways they can take to kind of understand better what the company is doing and what roles are especially when it comes to companies that you know call these roles in different names and it might be confusing to students. yeah uh i think it's networking 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 yeah it's a lot of that it's a lot of like you know one thing leads to the other so try to try to have lots of coffees and meals uh with people in the industry um try to understand the different roles and what people do um um i think there's probably a couple of newsletters that i would say um are very good that everyone should read um Simon Taylor every sunday writes the the fintech food uh, it's a good one it's kind of like a weekly thing which um he publishes um it covers in a good way you know some of the macro things that are happening in fintech um and then there is another newsletter which i like also which is called this week in fintech um i think this is a nick and nick um uh nick milanovic maybe if i'm pronouncing the last name properly but it's called this week in fintech i like that one too because it's a very good kind of crisp bullet point summary of all the of the funding um, in by by subsector in fintech uh what things got funded it's a little bit like you got to build the muscle you got to sort of like every week just keep up with what's happening so you familiarize yourself with um the space and then go talk go talk to lots of people And remember, talk to customers. I like that. <laughs> I especially like what you said about building your muscle. And this is actually a, a hot topic for several of my classmates who are trying to figure out where to go next in order to really build that muscle, uh, be customer centric, especially as you know, uh, product managers or. potentially even going into digital venture studios you were at mckinsey um you, you know you actually created so many of those initiatives what advice might you have for students to really build this muscle this customer centricity is it really a startup or uh even a pm at a, a larger fintech company or potentially even more of the digital venture side i, I know you spoke about um you know the the taxonomy but now i want to know about the experience a bit more and what students will get where yeah look it's not a i'm i'm going to give you maybe somewhat of an unsatisfying answer i suppose because and it's not it's <laughs> not a cop it's it's not a cop out honestly uh, my advice is 
get started. You know, getting started is the most important thing because it's kind of like you can spend a lot of time in 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 the in surveying the landscape and 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 such. You should do some, but get involved. Any one of your options are actually they're all great options. They're all great options, but the thing is, you will learn more about your own self by getting involved with either the studio job or the PM job, um, and you will kind of pivot and you will evolve. The sector is moving very quickly, and so. Um, but the point is that I think it's really important. What I find is that people who sort of come into fintech and they spend eight nine months. You changed, like you've, your your outlook sort of changes. The way you approach things slightly changes. The way you talk slightly changes. Your view of what's important and not important also changes. And so that's very important to go through. It's very important to get involved with, with, um, yeah, just get involved is sort of like the first point. Um, I think the uh, the product manager's job is more is probably akin to a business analyst type of a role, um, a junior product manager job would probably be more akin to a business analyst associate engagement manager at a consulting firm. Um, it's, it's akin to that. So, you know, you could go to a Bain BCG McKinsey uh, and you can aspire to, you know, start as an associate and become an e engagement manager. Uh, or you go to a product company and be a PM and, you know, go rise up. So, and those are, and when those two people meet for coffee, I guarantee you when the two of them talk, there is 50% overlap in kind of what they do. Right. You know, it's kind of like, okay, you know, we spend time analyzing uh, the space. We are figuring out what to do. We are making a game plan. You know, I'm directing a team. I'm directing engineers and design people. Very similar, actually. So if you are interested in that, then the product roles are good. A lot of people get very taken by the want and the need to be close to the customers and to build things. And if you are very much like you want to build things from your hands and you want to be part of creating something, uh, yeah, the studio type of things would also be pretty interesting. But again, you know, I think it's very important to get started. That is truly fantastic advice and it's very timely as people are recruiting and uh, I, I guess I learned today that I have more in common with my consulting friends than uh, I, should, <laughs> I should take them out for coffee more. <laughs> no, it's true. At the end of the day, we share uh, many classes together, everyone from product management to consulting to every other industry we can think about. And, you know, Prashant, yesterday in our impro class, um, the professor told us that the two main mantras for improvisation are um, just show up and start anywhere. So just start and show up. And I really think that your answer um, relate to this. Great. So 90% uh, of the success is showing up. Now we're, we can be up more optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> we yes, just need to right. show up. <laughs> and Prashant, I know you've been collaborating with Stern for many years already as a guest speaker on behalf of different corporations. And soon you will be collaborating with Stern on behalf of Milio in the Stern Signature Project, where students are basically selected to work with companies on different projects. 
Can you talk about the project and what makes it a win-win opportunity for both Milio and the selected students at Stern? Well, we, uh, you know, we, um, we were very fortunate to have you be a summer um, intern with us. And we, uh, we want to extend our partnership with Stern so that more of your colleagues can find out about us. And uh, perhaps there is some meeting of interest and meeting of minds and things that we can do together. Um, as a young company that is trying to change, um, you know, how small businesses manage their cash flow, we very much welcome fertile ideas and, and fresh minds. Um, so that's that. And so we respect that a lot. And that's why we are excited about the the um the partnership that we've now stitched together um yeah i think that um we have many 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 kind of interesting problems that um we're trying to solve uh, one of which is that we we just wonder uh, how the back office runs um by industry uh, for small businesses and um and this is one where there are so many nuances on how back offices get run Um, you know, if you go to, uh, if you, if you walk on, um, just where, you know, your, you, where you're located and if you come to say the street, uh, the, I don't know if it's called the diamond street or the jewelry street or whatever, like down South and you used to walk into a store and you start talking to the person who is, uh, who is kind of selling you and you ask them, Hey, how do you run your store? What's the software you use? And you pretty much find out that small businesses have some very unique niche things that they built, purpose-built to run their business. Um, because remember, to compete against big companies, small businesses have had to build some very specific and very interesting vertical tools. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you buy cheese? How do you buy wine? How do you sell diamonds? How do you uh, manufacture clothes? I mean, and the list could go on, but it's not like they use, like, there's no one size fit all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there is this kind of myth a little bit that you can offer all these small businesses like business out of the box. But what you find out is when you, when you dig into, back to my point about spending time with customers, when you dig into it and you start saying, show me the back office and show me how you reconcile and show me how you buy, what you find is that there is a, there's a whole variety of systems and workflows involved. So we are hopeful that, you know, through our project that, um, the team would select a few industries and they'll go deeper and they'll you know they'll they'll enlighten us on what you learn and and you know hopefully that'll give our product teams some very specific and good ideas and our sales teams some very specific and good ideas on on you know, what to do with that that's great to hear i would have jumped on this opportunity honestly me too yeah in fact um we we've done quite a few experiential solution projects and um you know, some of them for large companies and some smaller companies. And I think uh, usually the smaller, working for the smaller companies has been really exciting because it's so uh, close to the customer and really an opportunity to uh, understand what, you know, what kind of interesting problems are being solved. More than the solutions, I think as a student, it was really exciting to see, well, what are the problems that people are trying to solve and where the opportunities are? And that kind of gives us, some ideas of some of those meta uh, ideas and problems that you were alluding to earlier. So it's really exciting for students as well. Yeah. I think most breakthroughs tend to happen 
at a very like uh, at a very earthly micro level uh, i think that uh, it's really important to be in the coal faced it's very important to be out with customers it's very important to immerse yourself in the day to day problems that people go through um and yeah and i think just finding avenues students need to find avenues to like this project where it will give them a chance to get involved with a problem where they will go to the fr- you know front line and try to examine what's broken because i think it's those examinations um that really um provokes innovation and i think it's also a great timing for students to spend more time in field and uh make it uh more fun to talk with small businesses in person so i think it's a great opportunity this conversation has been so insightful i'm sure our listeners would uh love to listen to it and get inspired by you prashan thank you so much for joining us today thank you prashan uh, listen it was great um, it was great spending time neha and bar and whoever listens to um the podcast uh, you know i thank the stern community i think they've been great friends of um the city and the companies that are here and i hope uh, that all of you find rewarding careers and uh, hopefully we'll see more of you here at milio so thank you again Thank you.